morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, it's great to see everyone here this morning. Uh, we are excited this Palm Sunday uh, and certainly expectant and excited about Easter. So looking forward to hearing uh, the message this morning from, uh, from Brother Daniel on, uh, on Palm Sunday. So uh, this morning I would like to call us to worship uh, from Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 4. And to kind of give you some of this, this is something that's been on my heart a little bit. Uh, we just finished going through Colossians with the students, so uh, this is a, a great passage uh, that tells us how, how to live, uh, how to live our life uh, among people who, who aren't necessarily part of the church. So it says this, Colossians chapter 4, and please stand for the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, so we are so glad uh, to be in the Lord's house, uh, to hear from God's word of how we, are, how we can respond to God's word and walk in obedience and, and be the light of Christ uh, to those who need the light of Christ. So uh, this morning, if you are a guest, we're especially glad that you've come to visit us. Uh, whether you're a, a first, second, or, or third time guest, uh, we're especially glad you've decided to perhaps come back. So uh, welcome, and uh, if you would, whether you're a guest or a longtime member, we do have this perforated tab in your bulletin that you can uh, fill out and just drop that in the offering plate uh, so we can get to know you, so we can pray for you uh, and for your family and minister to you in so many ways. Uh, so we're certainly excited about that, and uh, I just want to quickly kind of announce something out there to the student parents. This Wednesday night, we have a meeting for camp, so if you are, if you're sending your student to camp, or you want more information on camp, any of that stuff, this Wednesday night following service down in the youth room, we are going to have that meeting, so uh, looking forward to having you there uh, for that. So at this time, uh, we would take a moment, just take a moment, stand, and we can greet your neighbor, and then David will lead us in song. All right, don't sit down, stay up. We're going to sing here. Oh, magnify the Lord. Let's sing together. Remain standing. Oh, magnify, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. Forever. Oh, worship him, 
Savior in prayer. 
Fathers, we've gathered on this special day. We're reminded by the cross and the purple, the crown of our Savior as he entered the city of Jerusalem on his way to the cross to pour out his life's blood for sinful mankind all included you so love the world that you would do this how we praise you and thank you for the mighty God that you are and that you so love this that you would sacrifice your son the Lord Jesus Christ and through that blood in repentance and faith and trust we can have the gift of eternal life assurance that you will be with us that you will never abandon nor forsake us and though we go through the valley of the shadow of death we will enter into your presence and dwell with you forever and ever and to know our Father, that soon you're sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, back to this earth. The dead in Christ shall rise, and the redeemed of the Lord shall go home to be with you. How we praise you and thank you. Father, there are those here this morning that are burdened down and need redemption. I pray, Father, that this shall be the day. There are those, our Father, that have a lot of cares. There may be that special need in the home. Maybe it's on the job. Any place, Lord, wherever we walk, we know that you care for us. And we pray, Father, that your, our hearts may be touched and renewed here this day. Bless our pastor as he proclaims your word. And if there are those that need to come to know you, may this be the day of victory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.
Let there be glory and honor and blessing. Let's stand together as we sing again, please. Children are supposed to be up here. Do you see children right now? <laughs> They'll show up. Ushers, come ahead. Do you hear children? Come ahead, ushers. We're going to have uh, the offering now. We'll, we'll straighten the rest of the order out later. Okay. Orchestra is going to play a little song here called Ferris Lord Jesus. Uh, who's to lead the offertory prayer this morning? Oh, Van, it, well, he's going to be out of breath, but he's running right now. <laughs> I'm sorry to do that to you, man. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, children are going to delight us in a few moments when they do sing, and uh, the timing just doesn't always work out perfect with children, so it'll be fun when it happens. So, Van, lead us in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for another day that you've given us to be in your house. Father, a day that we can pause and remember what you gave us so many years ago, that you were willing to give of yourself. And Father, we thank you for those gifts. And Father, now as we give back a part of what you have given us, we ask that you bless it to your kingdom, wherever it might be here in this town or around the world. Thank you, Father, for your grace. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, I want to invite, if we're going to have, chill, we're having a children's sermon here, and we're going to get a prize. Prize is going to be a palm branch. So if you, or if we have any more children out here, birth the fifth grade, now's your time. You want to come on down, you want to sit right here. We're going to read a brand new storybook before we go downstairs for children's church. All right, let me grab, no, let me, no, Benjamin. Sherry, will you hand me our palm branches? The right. Oh. The other Sherry. Benjamin's going to hand our palm branches, so. Thank you. Oh, goodness, these are wet. Well, they, these, these are out in the snow. They're really fresh. Hello, little children. Today is Palm Sunday. What does that mean? What happened on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago? La, la, la. No, no, sir. <laughs> uh, no, Jesus didn't die on the cross. He entered Jerusalem his final time, and he was headed to the cross. And he, he did this on Palm Sunday. Today, it was it's always one week before Easter. So we're going to read a Bible verse and then we're going to read this story here. So I need, um, I need a reader to read the Bible verse. Who here's a good reader? Right here? Alexis? Where is Alexis at? All right, Alexis, come on up. I know Alexis. All right, Alexis, we're going to read. You want, I know it's a little crowded up here. We're going to read here in the Bible. <clears throat> Alexis, you want to stand right here. It's, a, it's an Easter card. All right, Alexis, here we go. We're reading out of the book of John. We're going to read two Bible verses. Alexis, how old are you? I'm seven. And Alexis, what grade are you in? First. What school do you go to? Mill Creek Elementary. Which one? Mill Creek Elementary. Mill Creek? Oh, okay, wow, well, that's great. In first grade, here we go. We're going to read John chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. So it starts right there. It, says, it starts with the word, the next day. The next day when the large crowd that had come to the festival, festival here Prime. heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They looked. They took. They took palm, palm branches. branches and went out to meet him. him. They kept shouting, "Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed! Blessed is is he who comes in." 
the name of the Lord. The king of Israel. The king. It says he found a young donkey and he sat on it. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you so much for that. That was outstanding. She just read the story there that Jesus entered Jerusalem and they gathered up palm branches. This here is a palm branch. This is what the folks when took these and they were waving them when Jesus entered Jerusalem. And I have a picture here. It's a brand new book. It's called Easter Love Letters from God. And it has a picture here. No, we're not going to read it. I want to show you all this picture here. This is what it looked like, children. What is Jesus riding? A donkey. And what happened? The, Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem for the last time. And all these people, what are they holding right here? Palm branches. Do they look like this? Yes, they do. This is a palm branch, a wet palm branch. And what happens is they were waving them because they were excited about Jesus. They thought he was going to be their king, like the king of Israel. But Jesus was a different kind of king. What was he going to Jerusalem for? He was going there to die on the cross, and he was going to die for us, for our sins. That's right. And the people were excited. They thought he was going to be an earthly king, but he was going to become a heavenly king. That is why Palm Sunday is so special and so important. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give each of you, Miss Sherry, is going to give you a palm branch, and that way you can take it to Children's Church or back to your pew, and you can wave it during the service. That would be exciting. So, <clears throat> okay, Miss Sherry, why don't you hand these are wet? Why don't you hand these? Here, okay, Rick, here we go. This, Rick, they must have cut these off this morning. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, after you get your palm branch, you'll want to be dismissed to go to Children's Church downstairs, or you want to go back with your mommies and daddies.
Thank you, sweet Harmony. Thank you so much. He is certainly the Lamb of God. That is certainly... If you came this morning and you were wanting a palm branch, we still have a, quite a few here, so when church is over, you need to come by and get you a palm branch. You can go home and wave it around and, and, uh, and, and, and hit folks with it, as probably the children are doing right now. Um, open your Bibles, book of John, John chapter 19. The past couple of weeks, we have been looking at um, the, the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and his, obviously next week, his resurrection. I was telling Brother Hurd uh, what I was preaching on today, it's, which is the cross of Christ, and he said, Son, you better not mess that one up. You can mess a lot of sermons up, but you can't mess up the cross. So that is what we're going to be seeing here. So I have a lot of pressure this morning. So make sure I, I get it right. With that, but we are going to see here about Jesus' crucifixion. A cross is something we wear around our necks. It's something we see. Um, uh, all pl- it's the symbol of Christianity is the cross. Everywhere you go, you will certainly see one, and probably many of us have a cross right now around our, around our necks. But it is actually a symbol. I think I've shared it before. It is a, it's a barbaric symbol of torture. It's a symbol of execution. We make the cross into something very casual but back in 2000 years ago Jesus time this was a horrific uh, symbol it was a sign that you of death so what we see here is leading up to this event Jesus's purpose on life was actually to die he was heading that and we're going to see that here in the scriptures we read when he said on the cross it is finished what that meant is he was finished with what God had given him to do he was marching and heading towards the cross and then obviously three days in the tomb Um, God resurrected him, breathed life back into him, and he came back to life. But the events leading up to the cross is what makes Christianity what it is. And we're going to explain what the atonement certainly meant. That's what occurred when Jesus died on the cross. Um, Two weeks ago, we we started this uh, this series leading up to Jesus being alive. And what happened? We see the betrayal that occurred from Judas, how he betrayed Jesus. Now, Jesus was in the garden praying, and then next thing you know, he's got a resting party there, throwing him in jail, and Peter pulls out his sword and just starts swinging wildly and hits a man named Malchus's ear and cuts it off. Jesus touches his ear, heals him. And we looked at how Peter responds to when something unexpectedly happens. Then we see Peter's, Peter last Sunday, how he was a bold man. He was someone who spoke his mind probably spoke a little too soon. He told Jesus he would never deny or betray him or never, uh, never turn against him. And then sure enough, he did it three times and the rooster crowed. And it says, the Bible says, uh, Peter went away and he wept bitterly. It was a sign of sadness that occurred in Peter's life right there. So then we come today right here in the uh, Gospel of John. John chapter 19, Jesus went to a trial. In many ways, his trial was completely rigged against him. And a lot of folks, unfortunately, make uh, the trial of Jesus about justice, but it's not about justice. God's purpose was for Jesus to die. So it wasn't to be just. So Pilate had him on trial, and the reason why the Jewish people had to get him in, there was two court systems. There was the Jewish courts, which was run by the um, church there, the high priest Cyphus and Annas. But the problem is they didn't have authority to issue the death penalty. So they wanted someone, if you wanted someone killed, you had to get them in the Roman court. The Roman courts could certainly execute you. And that's what was going on right now. So they transferred them over to the Roman court system the Jews did, had them you know, arrested um, there and uh, for insurrection, meaning he was leading a rebellion against Caesar. That would be a good enough charge. 
just having a religious teaching charge isn't good enough uh, to get you executed or even tried in a Roman court system there. But if you claim you were against Caesar and you were going to overthrow him, now that would get you certainly on trial there in a Roman court um, a court. So that's what we have. That's where we're at right now. We're going to pick up on verse 13. What's going on here? We're in John chapter 19, verse 13. What's occurring here is Jesus um, how had um, been. Is, this is the day before Passover. And what's going on? He's on trial in front of Pilate. This is about uh, 9 o'clock, uh, noon or so. It's early morning, early lunchtime. And um, there was two people there on trial, one na- man named Barabbas, and Barabbas was a murderer. He was a revolutionary. I mean, he uh, led uprisings. And during the time of Passover, once a year, they would free someone, and then someone on trial would get to set free, and then someone would get, obviously, executed. Well, one guy's the murderer, and one's the Lamb of God. Barabbas went free, and here's Jesus. He's about to get crucified. So that's what's going on right here. Um, the Jews are putting heavy pressure. The Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the chief priests, are putting heavy pressure on Pilate to execute Jesus. And we have to always answer the question. Have you ever heard it asked, what's more important, Jesus' death or His resurrection? And they're both the same. It's like an airplane. It has to have two wings. Obviously, you have to have the death in order to have His resurrection. Jesus died for our sins. He rose to life so we can have new life and identify with, with Christ. Um, what we see here is, um, we always think about, this coming week is Good Friday on Friday, and that's the event when the, that we're seeing right here. And we go, why do we call it good? And the reason it's called good is because someone stepped in and died in your place. Because of our sin, what happened and occurred in the Garden of Eden, it has caused us to be sinners. We're guilty in front of God. And we need someone to stand in our place. And that is what the cross does. Jesus died for you. Without, and what we do as people, we accept and we trust in Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. If we do not, that's what it means to ask Jesus into your heart or to become a believer or to trust in the Lord. And because if you don't do that, all of a sudden you're standing, when you die, we are standing before God as guilty sinners. So that is the picture of the cross. Verse 13, John 19, 13. When Pilate heard these words, now these words here, are referencing anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So they're trying to say, Jesus here is the king of the Jews, and that obviously opposes Caesar, so therefore we're opposing our, our leader here, the Roman leader, so we need to get rid of Jesus because he's opposing Caesar by claiming he's a king. So that's his charge against him. Now one of the things we need to remember, the Jewish people did not like Caesar at all. In fact, they despised Pilate and Caesar. They hated the Roman court system and anything the Romans stood for. The Romans ruled over them. They had to pay taxes. They had to get authority for them. So this is all just, it's a joke that reading about Jewish people, how they love Caesar. They hate this man. What they hate even more is they hated Jesus. That's the, they're, they're, Pilate is being used as a pawn by the Jewish leaders to kill 
Jesus. The court system is corrupt. Pilate's being had no backbone. He's being manipulated here. He's being led down a path. And Pilate's only views this, Pilate's job to rule over this area of Israel, Judea, was to make sure everything was peaceful so he could get a promotion and move up to Rome. Because who wants to be in Israel anyway? The real goal, if you're a Roman, is I need to be in Rome, not out here leading the Jewish folks. These are just religious people. And he didn't, his job was to keep everything calm and peaceful and then move on up the, the ladder and get a promotion. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's seat in a place called Stone Pavement, but in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for Passover. That means it's Friday. And it was about noon. Then he told the Jews, here's your king. They shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? And there's probably sarcasm in this. Understand. He's not genuinely, he doesn't believe Nobody believes in Jesus at this point. Pilate doesn't believe in him. He's saying this jokingly. Should I crucify your king? Guys, this is your your problem, not mine. This Jewish man's claiming he's your king. You want me to crucify him? They shout, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. They have no king but Caesar. The chief priests hated Caesar. They did not view him as their king at all. They didn't like Caesar. They had to pay, ta- they had to pay a tax to Caesar. Then he handed him over to be crucified. And Pilate was one of these guys. He would go with the flow. People who go with the flow is you don't want to cause any problem. So if everybody's kind of going this way, You go that way, and folks want Jesus crucified, just have them crucified. Here he is. And these are people who have no backbone. And we live in a culture today, 2018, it's very easy to go with the flow. In fact, there's pressure on you. You go with, if folks kind of are going this way, you go that way. Why cause a stir? Why create a problem? So that's what Pilate was like. So he's going along here with what the other folks wanted. Latter part of verse 16, it says here, Then they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. He went out to the place called of the skull, in Aramaic, which is Golgotha. It's right outside. They were not allowed to crucify people inside the city walls. So the the place of crucifixion, the place of death, was right outside the walls there of Jerusalem. Remember, we're in Jerusalem because a week ago, or five days earlier on, Palm, on Sunday, we entered Jerusalem and the people were shouting, Hosanna! They thought Jesus was going to be the next king. He's riding in on a donkey. Folks are excited for Jesus. They're waving these branches. And the king they thought he was going to be was going to be the next king of Israel in the line of David. That's the type of king they were expecting. Jesus was a different type of king. He's a king that's going to the cross to die for our sins. The purpose of Palm Sunday is pointing towards the crucifixion on Friday. So what's happening here, it says he had to carry his cross. Now, in um, Matthew's account, you don't need to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 27, verse 32, something happened. This cross was heavy. 
It, it, Jesus, knowing that, he had been beat. He had been uh, uh, received lashes. He had mocked them. They put a crown of thorns on him. They had spit in his face. Well, it says in Matthew 27, 32, it says, As they were going out, they found a Syrian man named Simon. They forced him to carry the cross. And the reason why they did that is because Jesus kept falling. He fell down. He kept stumbling. He had just been beaten, and he's headed to Golgotha, and he couldn't physically carry the cross. So the Roman centurions, the Roman soldiers, they say, well, look, here's a guy named Simon, whoever he is, you, you're going to carry his cross. That's how they got things, that's how, that's how their nominating committee uh, recruited people. When you're carrying a spear and a torch, and you're walking down the road, and you need some help, doesn't matter, you say, sir, you're going to help this man right now. So Simon the Cyrene here, he was forced to carry Jesus' cross. No option. If he said no, he probably would be in the procession as well, going to the, going to the Golgotha there. He'll have him a cross. He's going to be. I mean, that was, that was the, the picture of what's occurring here. There's a sense of ruthlessness with these people. Anyone who's getting crucified right there, you're getting hands in your, you're getting nails in your hand and your feet. You're going to get stuck up on a on a pole for as long as you can make it until you just die. That's how barbaric this is occurring. If you can't carry your cross, we just summon someone from the crowd and force them to do it. So this man named Simon is carrying Jesus' cross. They're going to Golgotha. They're going outside the city. It's not far of a walk. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. We know in Luke's account that one of those other criminals got saved. He was a thief. He was being crucified. And one was mocking Jesus, and the other one on the other side saying, hey, we deserve this, but this man here, he didn't do anything wrong. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you will be with me in paradise. One of the, one of the guys, three people are crucified, and two of them went to heaven, and one went to hell. Pilate also, verse 19, had a sign made and put on the cross. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This is about the only thing you see Pilate's backbone, what he's about to do. The only place where he makes a stand. He had already given in to the Jews for everything else. But he actually says no to him right here. Verse 20, many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was right outside, Golgotha, it was right outside the city walls. And it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. So they didn't want to say his charge was being he's the king of the Jews, but we just, he made the statement that he's the king of the Jews. You see, that bothered them, that his sign, what happened when you were crucified in Bible times, you had to have over, there was a sign over your, uh, over your cross stating your charge. And his charge is he's the king of Jews, meaning he's opposing Caesar. He's claiming to be a king when he's not a king. So now this is the one time here that Pilate spoke up. Verse 21, so the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write the king of Jews, but write that he said, I am the king of Jews. Pilate replied, 
What I have written, I have written. The one time he had a backbone. He actually kept that sign on there. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. They also took a tunic, which was seamless, woven in one place from the top. So they said to one another, let's not tear it, but let's cast lots for it and see who gets it. The meaning it was probably some value there. They thought, why get rid of this? Why rip up this man's clothes here where we can use this? This is nice fabric. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my clothes among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. That's a prophecy there out of Psalm twenty-two, eighteen. This is what the soldiers did. Verse 25, now Jesus is hanging on a cross between two criminals. And look what he does with his mother. His mother Mary, every woman back in Bible times was named Mary. It says, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, that's Mary, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And if you were a lady 2,000 years ago, your name was Mary. When Jesus saw his mother and disciple he loved, that's John, standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. He said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. What happened here is Jesus, the fifth commandment is honor your father and your mother. Jesus is about to die. And he saw his mom there. And Bible times, if you were a, his mom's probably of. 50-something years old, possibly, upper 40s. And uh, your children took care of you. That She relied, we, we believe that Joseph, her husband, was possibly dead. And the reason why is we see no mention of Joseph in the Scriptures. If you remember Luke chapter 2, Jesus went to Jerusalem for his dedication or for his, um, his bar mitzvah when he was 12 years old. And what occurred there is we see he got lost, and Mary and Joseph had to go back to Jerusalem and look for him. That's when a child, when they're 12, they become an adult, 12, 13 years old, is when a Jewish boy. So we see no more mention of Joseph in the Scriptures. So by this point, Jesus is 33 years, so 20 years has passed. Most likely, Joseph has has passed away, his 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 earthly stepfather. So Jesus is realizing His mother, Mary's a widow probably, and now she's losing her son. Who's going to take care of mama? And the fifth commandment says, honor your father and your mother. So on the cross, Jesus is taking care of his mother by saying, Mom, John, the beloved disciple, he's going to care for you. That's what's occurring. So we see Jesus doing an act of love even while hanging from a cross. And it says from that hour, John started caring for his mom. Now look here, here's, here's what, this is what we're gonna, we call the atonement. We're going to talk about this. We hear this word sometimes used in, the, in church and in Scripture, the atonement. Jesus did something called a substitutionary atonement. What that meant is Jesus died on the cross as our substitute. There was a swap that was made. We're the sinners. We're the ones who are guilty. Our unforgiven sin, when we sin, we're all sinners, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, and we stand before God guilty. So while Jesus dying is substitutionary death, that is the swap that was made. He took our place. Without Him, we would suffer the death penalty for our sins. I have a quote here. Uh, Charles Hadgen Spurgeon, 
he was a great British preacher. He was kind of the Billy Graham of the 1800s in uh, Great Britain. He made a great uh, quote here. He wrote a lot of books and uh, has a lot of his sermons still today. It says, Atonement by the blood of Jesus is not an arm of Christian truth. It is the heart of it. That's absolutely this. what we are reading here. This is the heart of Christianity. What Jesus is about to say right here, we're about to read this in John 19, is central to Jesus' entire ministry. This is why God sent His Son. We're leading up to this point, and what the word in the Old Testament, the word atonement meant to cover. So you're covering someone's sins. So the way you read the book of Leviticus, and it tells you about how to offer your sacrifice, and the, the uh, priests, the lineage of Aaron, they were the ones doing the sacrifices. You'd bring your animal, and they would uh, kill the animal, and the blood would spill over. It would cover the altar. And that was, be, that was to atone, to forgive your sins. That's what was current. Well, that's what Jesus' blood on the cross is doing. In the New Testament, it meant to remove or to put away. And what does it mean to remove? It's removing God's divine wrath against us. We're the ones who deserve this wrath from the Lord because of our sin. And God sent His Son, Jesus, to remove that. So when we use the word atonement, we're talking about this swap that was made. One of the keys to getting saved is you have to realize you're a sinner. It all salvation starts with this. If you're here and you've never been saved, you say, what am I saved from? You're saved from your sins. Your sin has separated you from God. Jesus came on Good Friday and died in place for you. Until you realize I'm in desperate need to accept what Christ did on the cross for me, you're not saved. This is the, this is the heart of the gospel. That's what this quote here means. The atonement occurred on the cross. Jesus died for our sins and He removed the divine wrath of God. Meaning, I'm the one who deserves hell. Verse 28, here it is. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus is following the Scriptures. He knows what God wants Him to do. He knows God's plan. His old, this man's purpose is about to be fulfilled, what he's about to do. He makes a statement, I'm thirsty. Remember, he hasn't had anything since the Lord's Supper. His last meal was Thursday night. This is why we observe the Lord's Supper. He's there with His disciples and He drank the wine. And He said this represents the new covenant. So He's on the cross and He's saying He's thirsty. We have to remember too, Jesus is a human. This is a human man. It's, it's God, His Son. It's also human Jesus. He was born of Mary. And He's obviously naturally thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there. So they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. They're literally holding it up. And this is just nasty old wine. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Say, so why is this phrase so important? It's finished means 
God, I, I've, I've done. I've done it all. I'm finished. Every single Old Testament prophecy, all leading up to this one event, I've done everything you have asked me to do, and I have sinned zero times, and I have fulfilled every single requirement of my Father. He's so, when he's saying, and it's finished, who's he talking to? He's talking to his dad in heaven, God. He said, God, I'm done. I'm finished. I've done what you've wanted me to do. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. He bowed his head, and he died for us. Now, this time, you know, Jesus, is, they pierce his side to confirm that he's dead. They bury him. He received a, a burial of one of uh, luxury. It's amazing. All these secret disciples start coming out of the woods after Jesus dies. Once they confirm he's dead, all of a sudden Nicodemus pops back up. See, Joseph of Arimathea, he comes out of nowhere and says, let me take care of his body. But leading up to this point here, Jesus Christ, he's doing the work of a sin bearer and a savior. He's laying down his life for me. The message this morning, the message that's presented on Palm Sunday and on Easter is Jesus died for you. Salvation is receiving this gift of the cross. There was an atonement that was made for our sins. We no longer have to go to the synagogue or the temple in Jerusalem and go to a priest who offers a lamb or, or an animal sacrifice over the altar for us to be forgiven. We're forgiven because the work is done. It's the redemptive work of Christ. Listen, the moment that you stop believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when we see the cross, the cross screams, it is finished, meaning I've done everything for you. There is nothing for you to do except receive the free gift of eternal life of Jesus Christ. The moment we stop believing in this, we start what we call a works-based salvation. Meaning there's something I can do to please God so He will save me of my sins. There is nothing we do that can make us saved on a works-based salvation. Our salvation in Jesus Christ is completely dependent upon His work on the cross. He's the one who perfected it, He started it, and He finished it. What we do in the gospel message, this is, this is the heart of Christianity, we receive what Jesus did for us. So this is why when you sign up to teach VBS, or you teach youth Sunday school, or, or you're teaching Sunday school, or children, or children's church, you're teaching other people, a next generation, that Jesus gave His life for you. It's the simple gospel. It's the simple cross. There's nothing to it. He died in your place, and you receive it. How do you receive it? You believe. Say, I believe this. Jesus, I receive what you've done. I realize I can't save myself. There's nothing I can do to go to heaven. Nothing. I can't work towards it. And the moment we quit believing this, we start working towards it. And then you've missed the gospel salvation story. Because then it shifted to a workspace. We are surrounded by folks who believe that if you live a good, clean life, 
and you love the Lord and you uh, are nice to your neighbors and you work hard for a living, you're going to go to heaven. And that is not the gospel. That is good works. Unfortunately, there's other Christian churches that teach good works. And Jesus is what he's teaching is it is finished. I did it all for you. The, the, the heart of the gospel is we have to remember there's one thing that keeps us out of heaven, and it's unforgiven sin. And Jesus came for his very purpose was to die in place for you and I. Now, this morning, I want you to look at your life and say, do I have unforgiven sin in my life? I mean, God, is, are my hands, are they bloody? Have I sinned against you, Lord? Remember, all sin, it might, you might sin against other people, but sin ultimately is towards God. He's the one that's hurt most by it. Sin is what separates us from Him. That's is why Jesus came. Unforgiven sin is what takes people to hell. It's what separates us from God. Jesus did not sin. He was the perfect Lamb. He went to the cross and stood in our place. This morning, we're going to have our invitation here in a minute. Have you received what Jesus finished on the cross? Have you received the gospel message? Listen, Easter is exciting, but if you didn't have Good Friday, this coming Friday, we, oh, this coming Friday, you know, they have school on Friday. When I was growing up, we didn't have school. Good Friday was actually a holiday. You were out of school. This coming Friday, you should stop and thank Jesus. Because He died for you this coming Friday. Without Friday, you would not have Sunday. You would not have an empty tomb. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have somebody that you could place your faith and trust in. And the gospel message, Jesus speaking this morning, saying, have you received this? Have you received what Jesus did on the cross for you? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's going to be a sinner's prayer. And if you're here this morning, you have never received this. You can pray this prayer. If you mean it to the Lord, He will save you. Let's bow our heads. I want you to say this along. If you're here this morning, maybe you came this morning to see the children sing or hear the... Um, the choir sing, and the women sing, but now you've been confronted with the truth of, of it is finished on the cross. Jesus died for you. And if that is you, you need to receive and accept the gift that He offered 2,000 years ago on Good Friday. And I want you to say this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me clean. Make me new. From this day on, I will live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want you all to look up. The Bible says if you said that prayer, that's the prayer of salvation, the prayer of faith. You pray to receive Jesus Christ in your life. You trust in Him. The Bible says you're saved.
your guilty sin has now been replaced with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to receive Jesus. No better time to do that right here at the time of remembering Jesus' death and His resurrection. We're going to have our invitation here. This is your time to respond to the gospel. If you said that prayer, we close every service with invitation. I'm going to be standing down front. I want you to walk forward and come speak to me and make it public. Jesus calls us publicly. You're not to be a Nicodemus of a Joseph of Arimathea, a closet Christian. All of a sudden, when Jesus died, all these people started showing up, became his followers. But while he was alive, they were embarrassed of him. Don't be like Peter. Jesus is calling you publicly. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing a great hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to be standing out front. Hymn number 434. Let's stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. David Dale is going to lead us. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No everybody be seated real quick. Patricia, uh, Miss Victoria, why don't you all come stand up here, and uh, Brother Heard, you come stand up here as well with them. Uh, God's certainly been moving, doing some great things um, with that, so um, the Lord has been uh, uh, working this morning. Uh, this here is um, uh, Patricia and Victoria, remind me of y'all's last names. Hyatt, that's right, so wonderful. They are coming this morning, come on over here. Stand y'all's way. And they um, are coming here to join Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, they've been coming for about, <laughs> about three or four weeks now. And they, show, they came to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, business meeting, 
and Wednesday night. I mean, when they showed up, they came. So they are certainly here, getting very active here in our church. But we are excited for their uh, faithfulness here at Broadway, and excited for them uniting with our church family. And um, they're transferring their membership here for a local area Baptist church, and I know you're going to really enjoy getting to know them. If you're excited for their decision, will you join me in saying amen? Amen. amen. So that is, that's certainly exciting. What well, we're about to have a receiving line, so right when we're done here, uh, David's going to close us in a song, and you'll come through and, and shake their hand and congratulate them. Before we do that, I have a couple of announcements. There's a lot going on this week. I want to uh, let y'all know uh, tonight is Ken, Mar Ken and Carol Marshall, are they here today? Is Carol here? To, uh, their 50th wedding anniversary is today from 2 to 4 in the fellowship hall. Is that right? So, so it's from 2 to 4. So everybody is invited. They're invited to the whole church. So I want to let everybody know you'll want to come back to church from 2 to 4. Stop by and, and congratulate and uh, certainly uh, thank them for their faithfulness in marriage as well as thank uh, their for, for our faithfulness at church as well. Tonight we have church, uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, you're invited back to evening worship. We're going through the book of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 6. Wednesday night we have a Passover Seder service with uh, Todd Ott's two friends. They're going to be leading that downstairs. It's at 6.30 on, uh, in the Fellowship Hall. So that's uh, Wednesday. It's going to be just like it was during the Lord's Supper. It's going to be very unique and special from 6.30, 7.30 downstairs. Uh, certainly everybody wants to come to that. On um, uh, Saturday at 2 o'clock, we have the Easter egg hunt. So that is, that's coming up as well for the children. They need to come. We're going to be out here, so you come Easter egg hunting. And then next Sunday is Easter. So it's a great opportunity to invite some friends to church um, with that. So that's our uh, schedule this upcoming week. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. And right when they're done, you'll want to come by and speak to Miss Patricia and Miss Victoria. And David's going to close this in a song. We're going to sing together precious day. Congratulations. Congratulations so much. We appreciate it so much. Precious day. Thank you. 